Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Welcome to River City Church. I love that I'm the first space that you guys see in the morning. Um, I'm going to get ahead of a, just a quick rumor. Uh, I have a mark on my forehead, um, and it is not the mark of the beast. Uh, Josh Turner asked me that this morning, so that's not the case. So don't worry about my uh, eternal direction. I am fine. I was actually playing basketball. And I hit my head on the rim when I was dunking, and so I think that's kind of messed up that we're laughing, but uh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No damage. Um, but yeah, so we start off every Sunday reading the scripture of the day. I'm going to go on this one. That makes more sense. There we go. Uh, so Psalm 26 it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Geb. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seeds for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So I love like psalms like this because uh, because it addresses past, present. Right here. Okay. Near my mouth. There we go. Um, no, I love scriptures like this because it addresses like past, present, and future. It's being able to like from that present state, it's looking at the past. It's looking at what God's kind of brought us through. It's being able to like remember all the times that we experienced breakthrough. And then it's allowing ourselves to be filled with gratitude, allowing ourselves to be filled with praise. And then it fills us with this expectation to start moving forward, to start being able to actually say, like, Lord, do it again. Like, bring us into that. You've done it before. We know you're going to prove yourself again. And so it's just like trusting in the character of God. So, again, even when you read just these passages on joy, it just starts building that up inside of us. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm excited. I, even just in the meetings before church were like this, this holy expectation. There was like a common theme of just like this expectancy of God to move. And I think when you enter into a service like that, that God always meets us there. There's always testimonies in that. Um, but for me, it's like I, I was thinking of just the message of our church of, you know, come to the table, right? And I've just like realized, like I was talking about it earlier this morning, it's like, I don't want to just like come to the table. I think that's the first part of saying yes, but then it's being able to say like, no, I'm actually going to like feast. I'm going to enjoy like everyone around this diverse table. Like I'm just going to like enjoy the presence of God to feast on that. And so from that, that again, that fills us up that, that so we can go out. And so like for me, I, I want us even thinking about joy and just with laughter, like, I don't want to just, like, gloss over that or just think that that's something for that we do, like, outside of church. But, again, that, like, we actually allow ourselves to be, like, overwhelmed by how good God is. Like, I don't, I don't view the table as this place to where it's just, like, we're eating, everything's very orderly. I think it's just kind of messy and that we're just enjoying and being, like, rambunctious and just being able to, like, feast and enjoy. And so, um, just to kind of close that out, I, I thought back this week on this story that I heard about joy. Uh, this pastor was talking about, um, he was, he's an evangelist, so he goes to the same, like, church every year. And so he was praying over people at the end of service, prays over this woman specifically, and she just begins, like, bursting out in laughter. I mean, like, uncontrollably. And so, again, he's seen, like, things like that before, so it wasn't really, like, too different. Uh, but then he comes back to the church next year. He, like, sees this woman, and she just begins, like, laughing uncontrollably again. So, again, he kind of starts getting curious about it. Comes back the next year after that. She does the same thing. So it happens for three years. And so finally at the end, he was talking about how he just gets kind of, he, like, finally wants to address it. Like, this is just, this sounds like it's just, it's not real, like, anymore. It can't be real. Like, she's just kind of, kind of beside herself. And so he confronts her at the end, and he asks her, like, you know, so what's going on? Like, every time I see you, it's always just, like, this uncontrollable laughter. And she was like, so that's not always the case for me. She's like, three years ago when you prayed for me, she's like, for seven years, I haven't laughed one time. She's like, I, I have clinical depression, haven't laughed. She's like, I've had, you know, suicidal thoughts. She's like, but every time that you come back, she's like, God brings me back to the testimony when I was set free from depression. And I just get overwhelmed with just like this joy and laughter. Again, it's like I relive that moment. And I just thought that was so powerful because it's looking at, like, what God's brought us through, those testimonies throughout our life, just like, you know, what David's talking about. And it's being able to say, like, do it again. Let us just be completely filled again. So even as we go into worship, I just want to pray into that. So, Lord, we just thank you so much that every single person in here has testimony that you've you've brought us through. Even that we're here today, that means that you've brought us through, God. So, Lord, we just ask you that you would do it again. That again, that we wouldn't just live with these limitations that we put on ourselves to be able to experience that type of joy, but we allow it just to well up in us. That you bring back, even just in worship today, God, flood our minds with just the memories of what you brought us yes. through and how good you really are. So, Lord, we just draw near to you. We celebrate you. And we just feast on you today, God. So I just ask for just an increase of joy. Lord, just bring us into your presence today, God. Just draw us in. In your name we pray. Amen.
just remain in a posture of worship. And um, during this month with the kids in elementary, we've been talking about worship and different ways to worship and how to worship. And out of that, um, they wrote a psalm together. And so we're going to read that as part of worship. So if you guys will come on up. Lord, you heal us when we're hurt. You give thanks. We give thanksgiving for your marvelous creation of animals and people. We thank you, Great One, for your for our loving families. You are extraordinary and faithful, bringing miracles, healing, and forgiveness to us in your mercy. Three in one, we thrive under your protection. You bring joy to our day. You made the sun to brighten our day and the moon to put the fun away. You help me grow and change each day. You make my sorrows go away. Because of your love and forgiveness too, I will change my direction and follow you. Though speechless in all of you, our hearts are filled with gratitude. We love you. Oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> my heart is just swollen. Um, so I just feel like there's such a beautiful theme this morning. Um, I love that last song because I feel like it's so prophetic, right? <coughs> It's calling things to be that we can't see yet. We were talking this morning about how in our, in our culture and what's happening in our country that it's hard, right? It's hard to be hopeful. It's hard to keep saying, no, the streets will resound with singing when the streets resound with gunshots, right? It's hard to say, we will dance upon injustice when every day there's stories of injustice and hate. And so we come to the table this morning and continue to prophesy, right? So what we do this morning at the table is we continue to say, as the people of God, when we gather, we gather in hope. And we look each other in the eye and we say, no, the streets will resound with singing and we will dance upon injustice. So when we come to the table this morning, come with holy expectancy, come and receive hope so that it overflows and you can go out and remind the people who are hopeless, who are broken, who are oppressed, who are alienated, that there is a God who loves them fully and unconditionally. In Jesus' name. So we're going to continue in worship by praying together. So if you guys wouldn't, I know we've been standing, but if you wouldn't mind standing, just as sometimes our bodies need to enter in in order for our spirits to enter in into prayer, and um, we really need to intercede this morning, right? So let's pray. God, we pray for the church 
the body of Christ, for its leaders, its pastors, its members, that you would make us one heart and one mind, that we would serve you and represent who Christ is to the world. We pray for our nation and all those in authority, for our president, for our state leaders, our government leaders, that you will give them wisdom and teach them to lead in truth and justice for the common good of all. We lift up the welfare of the world. And God, we pray right now for the city of Pittsburgh and for the mass shooting. We pray for justice, for healing, for peace. We pray that you would minister to that broken community. Yes, God. Will you, in this time of suffering, show up as the God who loves and heals? Will you move upon that community and move upon the hearts and the lives? Will you comfort the families who have lost loved ones? And God, all over our world where there is war and injustice and trafficking, where there is physical and emotional distress, we proclaim hope to the hopeless. And if there's any concerns you want to call out, here's your space to do so. For the concerns of the local community, for Smyrna and Cobb County, Atlanta and the surrounding areas of Georgia, God, will you, will you begin to move in the streets? Will you begin to move in us to move in the streets? To bring hope and a message of good news. Will you minister to the alien and to the widow and to the orphan? For those who suffer and are in trouble, for those who are in despair, will you be close right now? Will you be the God of the brokenhearted? And if you have a need, if you will lift it up right now with our brothers and sisters so we can be praying for you. It requires boldness and faith to speak out. So God, make us a people whose faces are upturned to you. And when we become discouraged and downcast by what's happening around us, may we continually in humility look to, to your face and to the face of our brother or sister that we would not ignore the pain of those around us, but we would willingly enter into the mess in the same way that you entered into our mess. 
So today as we pray, we lift up our heads, but we also ask that you would motivate us to look outside of ourselves to the people around us. In our prayer of intercession, will you also send us out to our communities? In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to introduce Mark Neiswiner, and I don't know if you guys know this, but for the past five years, he's been the director of the network that we're a part of. We're a part of a network that has five churches, and they're kind of all over. And he has been someone, even before we planted, Mark was a voice that I sat with to encourage us back into ministry because my wife and I had reached a spot in ministry where it was about things that we didn't think it should be about, and we just needed to see it happening differently. So he was a part of Riverstone Church, and he helped bring us back to life. So he comes periodically to speak into our church. There's only a few voices I really feel like God has labeled as people outside the church that are supposed to speak into and speak forward-thinking kind of spiritually to our church, and he's one of them for sure. Have you guys ever heard Mark share here before or anywhere, right? Who can say his last name correctly? <laughs> Who can spell it? Bill can. <laughs> Believe me, I know, I've heard. I still can't spell your name, but it's, it's awesome. All right, so let's all point our hands towards Mark. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for a mentor. We thank you for someone that can pour into the generation behind him. We thank you that he and his family have just been an inspiration. We thank you that um, he gets to speak to us today. We pray that you would truly be present with him in his words for us today. I sense that it's for us, and I'm, I'm thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to go ahead and come up. There's a big announcement after Mark, so don't leave early. Amen? Amen. Alright. Don't feel uh, bad if it's taking you a long time to learn my name. It took me about seven or eight years. Actually, it's pronounced like I'm nice and I like to wander around. Nice one. Maybe the easiest way to remember. But uh, Kathy and I are glad to be here. We um, um, Being in this position of uh, connecting with the network, we get to go around and uh, visit the different churches, and we're really excited about what the Lord's doing in all the churches, but uh, we kind of lean a little harder about coming to River City, so uh, it's always a joy to be back with you, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to, um, to uh, preach today. I want to take on a, a particular passage that may be a little hard to go after and maybe wondered a, a, a good bit about it. And uh, let me begin by saying this, that Moses was a man who lived for the glory of God. And by glory of God, I mean uh, not just the presence of God, but the nature of God. He, he wanted he, he was desiring for this glory. That's what glory means. It's the manifest presence and the manifest nature of God uh, in the earth and in our lives. And uh, Moses' life was this uh, persistence of going after God, going after his glory, going after his presence, going after his nature. Uh, the question is, why was he so persistent? Why did he persevere in going after God? And uh, Hebrews gives us, this is Hebrews eleven twenty seven gives us this understanding. It says, he, that is Moses, persevered because he saw him who is invisible. 
In other words, because Moses had this encounter, and not just one encounter, but many encounters with God, he continued to desire and to go after him and to go after uh, his presence and his nature and his life. I mean, when you think about it, it wasn't just a one-time experience. He encountered God at the uh, burning bush. He encountered God on Mount Sinai. He had this tent of meeting where he met with the Lord constantly. Uh, he even uh, saw that the tabernacle was built in the desert so that the people could also uh, engage and encounter and see and know the Lord in their midst. So he was, he was constantly engaging the Lord, and his life was absolutely committed to the glory of God. Uh, now, for us as believers in Jesus Christ, it's the same for us. Once we come to the Jesus, then our life is a life of going after the presence and the nature of Jesus, God in Christ Jesus. Uh, and that is our life. That is the supreme uh, desire and the, the supreme quest of our life, to know him, to experience him in, our, in his fullness. It's, it's our quest as the church. That's what we're about as the people, to go after God in Christ Jesus. The problem is, I see a lot of times, believers kind of get um, sidetracked into other things. We begin to find things in our life, and we're not as persistent and as passionate to go after God, maybe as we were in the, in the first days of our encounter with the Lord. And uh, so today I want us to look at some of those things that can get us off track by looking at Moses and particularly this encounter he had with God over interceding for the children of Israel. Uh, you remember the story, and we're going to be referencing some of these in uh, Exodus 39, uh, 32 and 33. But uh, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They had seen the signs and wonders of the God in terms of the splitting of the Red Sea. And then they found themselves uh, in the desert making their way toward the promised land. And uh, uh, even in that experience, they saw God showing up again and again with the manna and with uh, water miraculously giving, given to them out of a rock. And so uh, they, go, they come to the base of Mount Sinai, and now Moses is up on the mountain receiving the law receiving the instructions for Israel as to how to live and <clears throat> as a people before him so that God's nature might be manifest within their life fully. And while he's up there, which is a long period of time as he receives this significant revelation, they get a little, uh, at least a group of them, and they begin to lead the others at the camp to begin to say, you know, I'm not sure God's going to take care of us out here. And so someone suggested, well, why don't we turn to the gods of Egypt, particularly this particular god that's represented by the idol of a golden calf? Because we know that the way the Egyptians were living and their wealth and how things were going in that country, their god was taking care of them. And so they designed this golden calf and they began to worship it. Meanwhile, up on the mountain... God sees this. And so this is where we pick up in this encounter, uh, this 
this period of intercession that uh, Moses is having with the Lord. And also it's a revelation to me of how Moses was absolutely committed to the glory of God in his life as well as to see the glory of God in the lives of the people. So uh, I want to read, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of give you some references throughout the message uh, that, uh, that you can uh, look at. I think they'll be on the screen, or you can look at it in your Bible. The first one is out of Ezekiel 32, verses 9 and 10. And uh, God says this to Moses, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I might destroy them, and then I will make you into a great nation. Now God's saying two things here. He's saying, Moses, I have to honor the human will. And these people are saying to me, they don't want me anymore. They're turning away from me. They're turning, away, they're turning to the gods of Egypt. And already they're turning away from me. And so there's this point, and I, I understand the wrath of God is simply God coming to the place where he finally says, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. I'll give you unto what you want. Paul says in Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed, and three times he says God gives people over to what they want. He honors the human will. And God is saying, I'm going to give Israel over to these gods that they want to worship. They don't want to go with me anymore. And, it, and they're going to get wiped out because there's no way they can survive in the desert without me. I'm the one who's leading them to the promised land. But if they don't want me, I'm going to give them unto that and they'll be totally destroyed. And uh, now Moses at this point has a decision and the decision is this because... God says this to Moses. He says, but for you, I won't destroy you. I'm going to, if you look at it, he says, then I will make you into a great nation. You will become the father of the nation that I want. These people don't want to be that nation. They don't want to follow me, but I will make you into a great nation. So he's saying, I'm going to give them over to what they want. It'll mean that their uh, destruction but Moses, I'm still with you. Now, that'd be quite a promotion to be the father of a nation. And I mean, he, here Moses dealing with these people that are griping and carrying on, and he's thinking, well, you know, uh, this, this could be something to go at. I mean, it was an honor. God was saying, Moses, I love you. I want you to, I want you to head up a nation. And so he could go in that direction, or he could go in the direction of intercession. Now, the Jews believed, as God revealed to them, that if you sin, if you turn away from God, there's going to be a point where God will give you over to what you want. There will be a place where God gives you over to your rebellion from Him. Unless the people repent. And then he will show mercy again and come back to them. But if they didn't repent, there was another loophole of mercy that was available to the people. And the loophole of mercy was this, that an intercessor could begin to pray for the people. 
And in the sacrifice of intercession, pray that God would turn and show, keep showing mercy upon them instead of giving them over to what they want. And that's the choice Moses has, to go with what God has said and really go with an opportunity for him to be the father of a nation or to go to work in intercession for the people that God would show mercy upon them. And so we pick up in Exodus 32, 11, and this is what Moses chose. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? So Moses chooses to begin to intercede for Israel. Now, the question is, why? I mean, he, he's given an opportunity to go for really his own self-interest in becoming the father of a nation. And he says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep praying. And the reason is because of the glory of God. Moses was, first of all, concerned about God's reputation and God's glory. He said, listen to what he says to the Lord. First of all, he's concerned about how the Egyptians would read this. He says in verse 12 of chapter 32, Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent and do not bring disaster upon your people. What Moses is saying is, God, the Egyptians are not going to understand this. They don't understand you're a holy God, that you're a jealous God, and that you want people unto yourself, that you want them to experience who you are. And if people turn away, there's a point where you have to give them over to what they want. And the Egyptians are not going to understand this when they're wiped out in the desert. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, we don't want that God to take you out in the desert and, and kills these people not knowing that the God has to honor the human will after a while and say, okay, I'll give you over to what you want. This is what you want. You want a life without me. And so he begins, uh, he begins to pray, and he also says to the Lord, again, for the glory of God, he says in, uh, in this particular verse uh, 13, he says, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all of this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance. He says, Lord, for the sake of the fathers, who you promised that you would raise up from them some descendants, these are the descendants. For your glory, Lord, for the sake of your name, I'm asking you not to do this. Now, <clears throat> Moses' heart was for the glory of God. His heart was that God would be honored, that God would be glorified, that God would be known in the earth in his goodness and his kindness. And he's... He's so concerned that God's going to be misread by an action like this against the children of Israel to give them over to their sin. 
I, uh, I think it's interesting that here is a point where Moses could choose for what he would find self-promotion. God says, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to make you the father of a nation. He says, I don't want it, Lord. I want your glory. I want you to be glorified. I want your name to be known and your name to be known among these people. I think one of the things that can get us off track in living for the glory of the Lord <coughs> is self-interest. Going after what we want for our own promotion. There's nothing wrong with promotion. There's nothing wrong with coming up in the world and, uh, and, and meeting the needs of ourself. But if that's the driving force of our life, we're missing out on who we are in Christ. Our life is to live for his glory and to fight for his glory and to receive his glory and to live it out of our lives. And this is what Moses said, I'm living for your glory, God, for your glory, for your sake. Don't do this. So Moses goes down and he deals forcefully with this group that had rebelled against the Lord and trying to lead everybody else into that. And he comes back to the Lord. And the Lord says to him, and this is in uh, Exodus 33, <clears throat> uh, 2 through 3. <clears throat> he said, okay, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I will send an angel before you. <clears throat> And drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hitt Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Which later on, Moses was going to begin to learn <laughs> when he strikes the rock in anger at them, you know, uh, but what, Mo, what God is saying here is that, okay, Moses, I hear your cry. I'm not going to destroy them. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you lead them into the land, and I'm going to send an angel with you. You're going to make it. Everything's going to be fine. You'll get in the land. They'll get settled. Everything will be good. You will succeed. You will succeed in this calling that I've given you. You will lead them to the land and they will establish themselves in the land. But I'm not going with you. I just, these, these folks, they're so stubborn in their rebellion against me. And I, so, but I'll bless you, and I'll send my angel with you. Now again, Moses is faced with another decision. Does he choose for the possibility of success taking the children of Israel in, getting them established, making it through the desert? Or does he choose to stay in intercession? And Moses goes back to the Lord in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 33. And he says to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, 
teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And what Moses is saying here is, uh, Lord, uh, I'm not interested in going with, in with some angel I don't even know. I know you. And I want to go in with you. I'm not, I'm not interested in success here, Lord. I'm interested in your glory. I want to continue to go after you. And yes, I understand you're saying we can go in, we can take the land with this angel, but that's not good enough for me. Success is not good enough. If I can't have you, I don't want success. Again, that is one of the things we can get sidetracked on in our life is living a successful life instead of living for the glory of God. And you see this passion that Moses has for God's glory. He says, no, I, I'm not interested in success if you're not going to be in it. I think for, for all of us as churches, we need to keep that in mind, that the, the primary purpose of us as a church is the glory of God. To know God, engage Him, and engage His nature, and manifest His nature in our life above anything and everything else. That that is the heart of who we are, more than any success that we might be going at, to in our own lives. And Moses saw this. He said, I'm not interested in being successful in this calling that you've given me. I'm not interested in being successful in life, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm interested in your glory. He goes back to the Lord. And the Lord says in Exodus 33, 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, watch carefully what the Lord's saying. He doesn't say, I'm going with the children of Israel. I believe the implication here is God is saying, okay, here's what we'll do. Moses, you and I will go in. I'll take care of these people. They won't die. They're not going to be wiped out. But it's me and you. We're going. Now again, God's offering Moses something pretty significant. He's saying, okay, if the desire of your life is to know me, then it's me and you, Moses. We're going in together. I'll take you into the land. They'll get in there safely, but we're not going. Moses, uh, again, has this decision. This is a, that's a pretty good deal to have this wonderful relationship with God and God is going to go with you into the promised land and does he go for that or does he stay in intercession and he chooses to stay in intercession listen to what he says this is in uh, Exodus 33 15 and 16 
if your presence does not go with us, not with just me, but with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, uh, in the last encounter he had with the Lord, he said to the Lord, I'm not going in without you. In this encounter, he says, I'm not going in without them. He's saying, I want us all to go in together. Why is that? Because he wanted them to know the glory. He wanted them to know the beauty and the majesty of this God that he was encountering. You see, to go after the glory of God is not just a personal experience. It is a, it is a commitment not only for us to go after him, but that others might, that others might experience that others might come into his grace and the beauty of who he is. To, to be people of God's glory, not a matter of us having our personal encounters with God. That's a part of it, and that's an important part of it. But it's also to live for his glory is that others may know his glory and that others may come into the fullness of who he is. I, I was reading an interesting um, and, and let me say, that's, that's a costly part of God's glory, that we live for others as well to know him, to grow in his love and his power and his grace and his nature. Uh, it is costly. In a minute, I'll share about Moses. It cost him to go in with them as well as with God. But... Um, I was reading a quote by Ralph Winters. Ralph Winters was a, a great uh, teacher in the area and a student in the area of missions, studying missions throughout the history of the church. And in this particular quote, he's talking about the first period of missionaries that went out uh, beginning in about 1790. They were the Moravian missionaries that went out uh, after the Moravian revival. But then that set off a, a stream of missionaries going out into all the world. And he was talking, he's talking here in this quote about really what happened to these people, the cost of them going out so that others might know the glory of the Lord. And this, uh, let me just share the quote with you. The gruesome statistics of almost inevitable sickness and death that haunted yet did not daunt the decades of truly valiant missionaries who went out after 1790 in virtually a suicidal stream cannot be matched by any other period or any other cause. Very few missionaries in Africa in the first 60 years of this period survived more than two years. As I have reflected on this measure of devotion, I have been humbled to tears, for I wonder if I or my people today could 
or would match this record. There is a costliness to going after the glory of God. And, uh, and, and that is to see that people know the Lord means we have to give of ourselves to others. To give of ourselves so that they too may enter into the beauty and the majesty of this great God that we serve in Christ Jesus. Um, for Moses, it cost him. Because he chose, he said, God, I, I don't want to go in by myself. I want to go in with them and you. And you remember, finally Moses reached that point where he too kind of just out of anger struck the, water, the rock with his uh, staff so that water might flow out of it. And I don't think this was judgment from God. I think he's, I, th I can almost hear God saying, okay, Moses, you've had enough. This is getting to you. These people are getting to you. He says, I'm going to take you home. Now, we might say, well, he never experienced going with the glory of God into the promised land. He did. When Jesus was on the mount, the transfiguration, and Jesus was being glorified by the very nature and presence of his Father. Elijah was on one side of it. And Moses was in the land. Seeing the incredible glory of Jesus. Only three other disciples saw that. And we won't see Jesus in that kind of glory until he returns but they got to see the preview of the coming glory of Jesus in his return. And Moses was a part of it. He got into the land, saw the glory of the Lord. The glory of God. Moses lived for the glory of Jesus. I um, close with this. I think... I think, well, a couple of things. One thing that's interesting after the Lord says to Moses in Exodus 33:17, finally come to the end of this intercession, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Now, Moses has spent... 40 days in fasting and prayer, intercession for these people. I would think the first thing I would do is at least go get a hamburger, although that's not the best way to break a fast, but um, particularly a 40-day fast. Or take it easy, you know, go to the tent, and turn on the television, whatever. But listen to the first thing that Moses does after it's all settled. Exodus 33, 18. Then Moses said, Now, show me. I, I got to keep going after you. I want the fullness of who you are. You know, we can look at Moses and we can say, Yeah, but man, he had the burning bush and he had all this 
powerful display of God's presence and glory on Mount Sinai. He had uh, the tent of meeting where he met God face to face. And we might think, you know, although he had these wonderful encounters of glory, we don't have that. Uh, I'm not going to put the scripture up on the board, but let me just give you this uh, reminder of Paul. Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians, Now if the ministry that brought death, that is when Moses received the law, and the law brings death, Jesus Christ brings life. He says, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? And then skipping down to the end of that, um, that section, he says this, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see what Paul is saying, yes, those were glorious events, but it's nothing compared to what we know in Christ Jesus through the Spirit of God within us. And that we must give ourselves to him as much as Moses was, even more so than Moses was experiencing. We are people of God's glory, living for his glory, living so others may be glorious. That is the purpose of our life, and, and we persevere in it because we continue to meet him, who he is, nature and let me pray with us, and then uh, Josh is going to come out, close out. Lord, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for, uh, we thank you, Lord, for this picture of Moses and his tenacity to live for you and to live so that others may know you. Lord, make us true intercessors for our, live for them pray for them, that your grace and your mercy may be upon them as well. And Lord, help us to continue to go after your heart in our lives every day. May it be the supreme quest of who we are as we pray in your precious Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Side awkward hug. Coming in. Um, so, I just have to say this for you, and this will be my prayer as we pray together. There's been a few voices in my life that have reestablished what the true voice of Jesus is like to us. And to me, it had to rewrite what it wasn't. And to me, the voice of Jesus originally was an angry voice that was always upset at me, just labeling my faults. Mark has been one of the top people in my life to reestablish that our God is a loving God and he is fiercely passionate coming after us because he is for us and not against us. 
And just the way, I just want to continue to bless the God, the ministry God has done through you. You're able to deal with topics that other people have destroyed and destroyed communities with and bring people close to the presence of God because of the way that you share them. And I'm eternally grateful. And I know Sarah is too. We're always blown away by by how the Holy Spirit uses you. So I just want to say thank you. We're honored that you were here. If you guys can just let them know. Um, And so I'm going to do this a little differently today. We are going to open up for prayer, but I do want to give kind of the big announcement that we have for you guys so that you can kind of chew on it. It's a sad day and it's a happy day. So that's, isn't that true of the walk with Christ? So are, are James and Julia in here? Are they floating around somewhere? Jimmy, how you doing? And Julia, Julio, as I call you. So you guys want to come on up? Keep it quiet so it's really awkward. <laughs> so I'm going to get the big news out, out first. At the end of December, these guys are joining the circus. Not really the circus, no, not the circus. These guys are transitioning from River City at the end of December, which is sad. So I was going to tell you all that first so they could explain why after, and then I'll come up and pray. But um, I do want to say this really quickly. I remember the day I was sitting in Riverstone Church, and I looked up on stage at this really, really just gifted person. It was James at that point. Um, Still the same height he was then. Um, still hasn't beaten me in ping pong, which maybe I'll let you win before you leave. But um, um, but I'm, I heard God say, and there's only three or four times he's done this, that, that guy's coming to your church. I didn't even know him then. He ends up joining our life group. He ends up, both of them come on board. I didn't know we got Julia at that point, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and joined our group when our church had 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, and have been faithful ever since. And one of the, and you can share too, Sarah, but when you see them, you recognize these guys could lead worship at any church in America. They are that gifted. It's easy to see. When you talk to them, you realize they don't treat people like they could lead worship at any church in America. They will spend time with, they will pour into. And I remember, and I'm going to just call out Ryan. Are you here, Ryan? Ryan, uh, there's a lot of Ryans. Ryan, Renault, Renieo. Um, Ryan Renault's first Sunday with us, or Saturday when we met then, Julia walked over to me, and Ryan was struggling. He was like, he didn't want to talk to people. Um, introverts just, I'm an introvert as well, so I understand. And he was like sitting close enough to the door where he kept getting closer, and we were like, this guy's about to be out of here pretty quick. Yeah. And Julia was like, her, her heart was exploding. Like, we've got to talk with him. She went and sat with him for the rest of that entire time to be with a person that she could tell and sensed needed to be comforted. And so while there's many gifts that I can highlight in them, vocally, that's one. I don't think it's the main gift. I think their presence and who they are is their main gift. But we get two months with them now to spend with them and love with them. And um, I'm going to let them share a little bit right now. And then, Sarah, if you want to wrap it up at the end. So, yeah, uh, sad, sad, excited. Um, we just want to thank you guys for being a part of our family for so long. And uh, gosh, crap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this has been such a, a time for growth uh, for us, just as worship leaders, as 
as pastors, as husband and wife and leaders. Shoot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, she's bringing me back. Uh, we've, we've felt uh, that we're, we're being led into a new season of faith, and we're not really sure what that means, but uh, uh, it's also going to be a season of rest for us. Uh, we've been leading worship uh, for a long time and uh, at churches, and I really want to just uh, reconnect on a new way without the uh, without all of the pressure to lead a team. And uh, we love our team, by the way. You guys are great. Uh, <laughs> seriously, we have we have the best team we could ever ask for. Um, but just to kind of relax in, in, in a new way, uh, experience the Lord's presence and, and calling over our lives. And uh, also some of you know we live in downtown Atlanta. Uh, we work with a nonprofit organization and we really felt like a calling for our hearts to be more present um, in Atlanta. Uh, so a couple really exciting things. Uh, goodness, I think I'm done. <laughs> I think, too, just, I don't think, I feel like I can't look at you guys. <laughs> this is, at this point, our third time kind of sharing, given that we shared with our staff and our team. This is definitely the hardest, just because it's becoming really real. And I guess when we leave, that'll have marked collectively almost 10 years with the network not just River City but being previously at Riverstone and we've grown so much and we've been so impacted and we're so thankful for all of you and it's it seems strange when you don't really know where God's leading you when he leads you out of something um but we feel really confident that he's got something really awesome in store um for you guys as well. We're really proud of our team. We're really proud of our pastors. We're really proud of the people that are here, the people that have fought for unity, the people that have walked through really awkward seasons and situations and conversations with each other just to come out on the other side unified. And we're just really proud to have been a part of a community that values community, that values the one person sitting next to you and not just the collective global body. Um, so yeah, we appreciate all of your support through so many seasons of our lives. When we came to River City, we were just dating. Um, so yeah, we've kind of, we've grown up in a lot of ways through it, but we're excited to kind of, the first time since we were both like teenagers, being able to um, just receive and to just go explore culture in our neighborhood and new churches that have even for months, like, we really don't kind of want to settle anywhere. We just kind of want to make sure that we're open and free to whatever the Lord is trying to do, so. <laughs> I remember one of the first times we were at Riverstone, um, Tom said, <laughs> Tom said, um, he's a pastor at Riverstone, he said, we, we always come to go, right? Um, and so... We are so proud to send you guys. Um, and it's such a beautiful, we like to think of church growth in terms of like who comes and sit in the seats, right? But the body of Christ grows when we go. 
and what an adventure when we say yes um, to the adventure of God. There's no better way to live, right? Like when it just defies reason and it defies rationale and it defies logic and we just say, all right, like I'd much rather live that way. And I'm so proud of you guys for saying yes to that because it's going to be so amazing. And we are going to be this cloud of witnesses cheering you on and saying, we are so proud and we are here to love you and support you, whatever you need and wherever God leads you. So so just for you guys to know, we're going to have just a prayer over them here in a little bit, but they're going to be with us for two more months. Um, another mark of just maturity for them. Um, and then for River City, because there's going to be a lot of questions about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do is fear that we have to do something quick. We trust God and every situation he's ever led us into, he's provided what we needed and he's the same God that did all that and he's going to keep doing it. So I really feel strongly that he's going to bless them and bless us. And so I'm just asking you guys to join in the prayer of the right fit for us and the right things. And we're blessed to have an amazing worship team already around them that a lot of churches five times our size don't have. So good job to you guys and thank you Jesus for looking out for us as well. Um, let's, if you guys will go stand in the front, we're just going to end by letting everyone pray over you. And then we're going to have a formal day either at the end of next month or the next month to celebrate them, to pour into their new worship album that we're going to continue to support and listen to and make our kids learn the words to and all that stuff. And probably a lot of us will get credit on that album, I'm guessing, right? So probably some money coming our way too. So that's cool. Amen. Just making it rain up in here. All right, so let's just gather around them, pray for them, and then we'll close it down, okay? And if you're a first-timer or do not know them, this is awkward for you, and we are sorry, but we love our family. All righty, so Jesus. These are two created humans by you that are in your image, and they bear your presence. You have called them here, and you have done mighty things through them here. You have gifted them with things from here. This is just another season that they're transitioning from here to the next spot. So as they go, I pray that they go with the wisdom knowing that you are their faithful provider, that you know what's happening in the future, and they do not have to make decisions out of fear. Even if their bank account gets slim, if their pantry gets slim, if they feel alone at times, you are their God, and they are yours. They can trust you, God. We know that one of the best marks of spiritual maturity is when we look at you and say, we'll hand over everything that we've ever earned to this point, every bit of reputation, every bit of money, every bit of Anything we had, we put it back in your hand. We grab your hand and say, I'm scared to death, but I will go with you because you're the pearl of great price. I know that's a quote, but that is a life motto for me, and I pray that they remember it, that they are putting their hands in yours and saying, we will go with you. You are the pearl of great price. We pray for immense blessings, God. Let our season with them for the next two months be the sweetest season so far. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. I pray that God would go with you, be with you, be before you, and that you would be present with your community. As Mark said, take Jesus to the community around you through love. God, go with our community. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.